Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Saints Hour. I'm Mike Haas, and we are joined by Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. And Mickey, it is a long season, just three weeks of football. It will be full of ups and downs. We know that. That being said... Some are tougher to get over than others, and I'm sure Sunday was tough to get over. But you know what? You do, right? You have no other choice. Yeah, um, that's right. We just don't have another choice. But, look, that's that's a game that we felt like we had in our hands, and and uh, we let it slip away. And, and uh, credit to them. They made some plays in the fourth quarter. Um, but we had our opportunities, and, and – um, but I think I think that's one of those games you, you're going to look back on and, uh, man, we could have – could have won that uh, with just a play or two here or there, and and uh, we did. Uh, a lot of teams uh, kind of went through that week three. There were six two and zero teams, you know, kind of unbeaten going into that. Saints, Atlanta, Tampa, Dallas, Washington, Baltimore, all lost. So the, the big picture is at least in the NFC South, everybody else lost as well. It's not you know it's, it's not a consolation prize, but the fact of the matter is it's the big picture, right? Yeah, it's a big picture. And, and look, it's, it's, um, you know, three games in, so we have to keep that in mind, regardless of whether we'd have won it or not. Um, you know, winning the division or losing the division in week three, um, you know, but, but again, that's, that's a game that, uh, man, it looked, it looked like it was going our way for, uh, three quarters, three of the four quarters, and then, uh, kind of got away from us in the fourth quarter. I know Dennis talked about it yesterday, and I'm not asking about any kind of update about their car, only that, again, and I hate to keep using the word big picture, but it could have been worse, right? I mean, this could this is a situation that just could have been worse. Yeah, look, he got he got hit pretty hard, uh, um, slammed on the turf pretty hard, and, and um, yeah, sometimes, you know, that's how shoulder injuries occur, and, and – uh, you know, I guess you could say we were fortunate that it wasn't worse, but um, unfortunate that it wasn't, uh, you know, better too. So it is what it is. We'll we'll deal with it on a, a day-to-day basis and, and go from there. Chris Olave, wow, what a – I mean, first off, stunning rookie year and picks it right back up. He's sixth in far as – in the NFL as far as yards, 302, averaging 100-plus a game, 22 receptions. He's seventh in the NFL as far as 20-plus 
Uh, so chunk plays, and they don't have a category for it, but uh, if in the unbelievable one-handed catches, uh, he, he's up there as well. What an impressive start for this second year. Yeah, he, he's uh, – look, he's taken the kind of leap from year one to year two that, that uh, you hope for and you expect. And and uh, I think I was most encouraged by, you know, the dedication that he had in this offseason to improve in some areas that were identified off of last season. And last season was pretty darn good for him. Um, so there's a, there's a young man that takes his, uh, his craft pretty seriously and uh, – has has a desire uh, to get better and, and then and the action to go with it. Was one of those uh, improvement areas yak yardage yards after catch? Because I know Dennis talked about that and he, and he did enormously well uh, in week one. Was that one of those areas that you, it's kind of the next progression for him? Yeah, I you know I think that was that's one of the things and and part of that is just getting. You know, getting your body uh, uh, and your physique stronger, you know, put a little weight on, a little good weight on, just things like that, understanding um, the game a little better, understanding the situations and, and the times that, um, you know, you strain for, for extra yards and the times that you're a little more cautious. Got number 41 back in the building yesterday. That must uh, must be nice. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, certainly is. You know, we, we – you know, Alvin's such a good player, such a positive influence on our team, and and just a, a you know a weapon that's that's uh, unique to our league, and um, it, it's good to have him back, and it'll be good to have him back on Sunday. Is there, is there any? I'm, I'm not. I know that he wasn't allowed at the camp, but is there, like, there's no contact, right? So you guys haven't really seen or talked to him in, in, in a few weeks, right? No, the the actual rules are that once half of the uh, suspension is passed, he can actually come into the building and. Oh, okay and be in uh, uh, a few things. He can't be on the field. He can't practice, but there's some other things that he can do um, to get himself ready for the, you know, upcoming uh, weeks when he is active. Hard to really put, uh, you know, uh, any kind of uh, statistic to it, but he is so impactful for your, not just your running game, but your, but your passing game. So to, to get him back, uh, you know, it means a lot in, in both of those areas. Yeah, it does, and and but I would say that uh, I thought Tony Jones and and Jamal Williams before him and and uh, um, Kendra have, have all done uh, a nice job in filling in. Rashid Shahid, wow! I mean, this young man. I mean, obviously the first time he touches the football last year, week six, forty-four yard touchdown. Second time he touches it is a fifty-three yard reception, and then the seventy-six yard punt return. That's the third longest and franchise history, just one of those kind of special kind of cats uh, that has just a, a unique ability. You just want to get him, try to get him in space as much as possible. Yeah, look, he's very explosive. Um, you know, we've seen we've seen a number of plays that he's made uh, on offense, and, and it was good to see him get a punt return and, and get a crease. And, and look, once once he – once he hits that creek, you know, it, he's going to be hard to catch. And, and uh, hopefully we can get a few more of those this season. That was, I mean, Sunday, at least from, from our vantage point, by the time he'd almost gotten to the Green Bay 40, you could see it was it was over. I mean, there was, I mean, they had, they, had, they had bad angles and there was really just nobody there. That's a that's a rare one when you've got, you know, maybe 60 yards ahead of you and you kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah, look, uh, it was well blocked. Um 
the, the design was good for the return and, and, uh, you know, everything happened, um, according to plan. And, and obviously, um, you know, Rashid did a great job of, of hitting the crease and, and, uh, getting in open space and making the most of it. Dennis Allen talked yesterday about the, you know, the, the, the pressure that was on kind of the defensive secondary in that second half and really the fourth quarter, I mean, 13 passes defensed, uh, Alante Taylor, five PDs, Isaac Yadam, four PDs. Uh, but man, he, it, you could just feel, you, you talk about being a defensive back on an Island and Taylor and Yadam were, and must be what it felt like. Cause they were just, I mean, they were just going after him so much. Yeah. The, uh, um, yeah, look, I don't know how many targets each of those guys had, but they had a lot. And, and look, that's the circumstance and the situation in the game is they're behind by 17. They had to throw it a lot. Um, and it was good to see, you know, even even a, a number of the catches that they made were contested throws. Um, and and it was good to see our guys get their hands on on some balls. We've done that in the prior two games as well. I, I You know, I think Lattimore had uh, a game where he had multiple – passes defensed and um, where he's getting his hands on, on some balls. And, um, you know, we, we'd like to turn some of those into, into interceptions, but uh, I thought that was, that was good play by both of those guys. Uh, this team has, you know, very resilient. Certainly the Tampa loss last year was, was tough. I don't want to say similar, but just, I mean, just tough in the way it happened in the fourth quarter, but yet you bounce right back. Uh, you beat Atlanta, Cleveland, Philly, both of those games on the road. So you've kind of, you know, there's some history there that hey, this is just, you know, it's one in 17. Yeah, I look, I think, you know, first of all, every team, we can't rely on what happened last year. Every team is unique. Um, and we're going to see how we bounce back um, after after having a tough loss. Um, but we've got to, as a, as a group, we've got to develop a little bit better of a, a killer instinct. When we have somebody down, not letting our foot off the gas, not giving them opportunities to get back into games. Um, and, and look, you got to credit them because they didn't get a turnover from us. It wasn't like we turned the ball over or had some disastrous uh, uh, play happen. that got them back in the game. Um, but we need to, we need to, you know, find a way to close out some of these games because we've had a number of them well, last year in particular that, um, you know, could have easily been in the wind column for us. Going to step aside, take a quick break. We're talking with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. This is the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Saints Hour. Mike Hoss, along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. And good to be home on Sunday. It's, been a, it's a tough schedule. Uh, four of your first six on the road. NFC South. Uh, Tampa, who played on a short week just like you just played. Uh, on a short week, they were home and now on the road. Uh, this is an important one Sunday, and it'd be good to get get that home crowd, say, the Houdats, back into it. They have, it's been a couple of weeks since you've been away. Yeah, and I, look, I thought in uh, week one that the home crowd was fantastic. Um, it, it, it uh, um, I, I think it, it was like it was maybe you know ten years ago when when. Uh, uh, we were rolling. I felt like the crowd was really into the game, into the, the team, and um, helped us in that uh, you know that opening game. And so I'm looking forward to having more of that this Sunday. Um, look, anytime you play a division opponent, um, it's important. Um, you know, Sean used to say that it would count double. I don't know that it counts double. It's just one game, but uh, it's an important game in the division. And look, we we had. Uh, Tampa on the ropes a couple times last year and, and they came back and beat us. And so we, we've got that, uh, you know, kind of sticking with us and, and bothering us. And hopefully we can, um, you know, avenge those losses from, from last year and, and um, get a win on Sunday. Yeah. The Titans were only penalized six times in, in week one, but I would, I would hazard to bet without looking at the game book that five of those were false start penalties and kind of early in the game created by the crowd. Yeah, and look, that's a very disciplined, well-coached team. They're not, uh, um, you know, so that that was a, a little bit of a surprise that they would have that many of those kinds of, you know, mistakes. But again, it's, you know, it's the first game of the season when, um, you know, in this day and age of, of the NFL, you're not, your starters aren't getting a lot of play time in the preseason. So you expect some of those, um, you know, some of those mistakes early in the year. And we talked about this a little bit last year because it, it was kind of like things didn't happen. You didn't get turnovers early, and all of a sudden it kind of builds, where this year, completely different. You know, week one, you won the turnover battle. Week two, you're even. Week three, you win the turnover battle. I mean, you keep winning that. You keep doing those kind of things, and, and good things will happen. Yeah, look, it's it's the most important stat in terms of winning and losing, the turnover takeaway ratio. Um you know, on top of that, we get a punt return for a touchdown. And, and look, those, a combination of those two things, um, you know, your percentages of winning are really high, which is another reason why I think we're disappointed in, in uh, not coming away with a win out of, out of Green Bay because they overcame some things um, to get to get the W on their side. So we need to keep, you know, we need to keep doing those kinds of things and, and our season is going to be just fine. And kind of the flip side of that, and I'm not asking about any of the officiating, just the impact, really, because the Saints only had seven penalties, and the Packers had 11 penalties for 90 yards, but your seven penalties were 
102, so about 14 and a half yards of penalty. And as we know, though, you know those big chunk penalties, pass interference penalties, and they they're they're very impactful uh, for for when they happen and sometimes where. Yeah, um, yeah, I got to be careful not to get myself. I know. In That's what I'm saying. It's just, I'm, I'm just not to see the impact of the. I'm not, yeah. I'm not. I'm not trying to get you to to question the officiating. But just man. Seven penalties for 102. That's 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 just a lot of yards for seven penalties. Yeah, it's a lot of yards. Look, there's a couple of really impactful calls late in the game, and uh, yeah, we can debate whether or not they were good calls or not. I guess, but um, we can't put ourselves in that position. I think number one, um, but yes, you're right. They were impactful calls. I'll right. leave it at that. That's that's. I'm, I'm blaming. I'm not. I'm not trying to split any fines with you. Uh, you talk about uh, the, some of the uh, – like Kendra getting his first action, the, the people who had played in place uh, with Alvin being out, just really draft picks in general. Uh, Kendra gets his first action. And I want to talk about defensively, Isaiah Foskey. He played 23 defensive snaps the last two games. He played 11 snaps against the Packers and had four tackles. It, it feels like he's starting to kind of – you know, I don't just feel more comfortable out there and, and making big plays. Yeah, I think Isaiah, you know, he did. He played, he only played 11 snaps. He had four uh, uh, tackles. You know, that's a lot. That's a really good ratio of production. Right. And, and uh, you know, I think, look, when, when you when you perform like that, you get the confidence of the coaching staff and, and uh, uh, you know, that warrants more play time. And, um, I, but I think the draft picks in general, um, Brian Breesey, uh, um, I thought had had some really nice plays in this game. Um, you mentioned Kendry Miller. I think you know early on you could see it, it was a little rusty, but as the game you know went on, he kind of found his his rhythm. Um, and so you know those guys are going to have an impact on our team this this season. Uh, you mentioned uh, Brzee. To me, he you know we we've seen the, the this the, the move with the spin and. He had a pass defense against the, the Packers. To me, it was that fumble with Carolina where you saw a, a speed that you don't typically see to see with a defensive tackle. He's got like next level speed, it looks like. Yeah, he's very look, he's very athletic. He's probably as good an athlete as we've had at the position since at least since I've been here. Um, but the, you know, that there's look, he's a rookie and and there's a lot that's new to him and um, but he's taking to coaching well, and I think we'll see um, we'll see improvement as the season goes on. Um, you know, we also had Jordan Henry got the start yeah. in place of Marcus May, and I thought he performed pretty well for his first outing. And so, um, yeah, it's it's nice to have um, a rookie class making uh, an impact and contributing contributing to your team in their first year because I typically don't expect that. Um, but it's nice to have. Did you watch Tampa Philly? Like, how do you how do you do that for an opposing? Since it's your next opponent, I don't know what you get out of TV a little bit, or you just wait for the them to break it into clips. I mean, how, how do you? What did you do? Yeah, uh, you know, look, I watched uh, watched the game last night. I can toggle back and forth between the two games. Uh, you know, because the Rams are uh, an NFC um, opponent of ours down the road. So, look, you're always interested in in um, you know, what the other teams in the league are doing, you know, it's up to the coaches to, to, you know, analyze exactly the schemes and the things that are happening. But, you know, we watch more, you know, the individuals and, 
and um, you know, pay particular attention if if you know a player gets injured and what the likelihood of him playing the next week is going to be. And so, um, yeah, we definitely watched it. I think all of us watched it. Yeah, we figured. So I just didn't know kind of how you answered the question because you might watch it differently than than Dennis will watch it as he's looking at formations and you know you're looking you're just looking at different things. So yeah. just 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 curious. Gotta step aside, take one more quick break and we're back with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. This is the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Welcome back, Mike Hoss, along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. And this is the Saints Hour along the Saints Radio Network and Busy time uh, for the administration training camp uh, into uh, the beginning of the season as far as, as contracts came. Jordan, uh, Cesar Ruiz, uh, Carl Granderson, Zach Wood. I'm, I'm actually going to be again kind of in a strange place, and that's Zach Wood. Because I've noticed, I don't know why, this year more than ever, like and when you played Houston, yeah, John Weeks, he was like in his 14th year. Then Morgan Cox for Tennessee in his 14th, and J.J. Jansen in his 16th year, all, almost all these guys with the same teams. And I had thought of Zach Wood as like this long timer, right? And he really isn't, but here's what I know. And you can just, you know, say this is right on. Either you got a long snapper and you maybe not don't, don't know his name, or you don't got a long snapper and you know you don't have a long snapper, right? Yeah. Yeah, that that's exactly right. Um, look, there, you know, it's one of these jobs in our league that if – if um, if he's really good, you don't even notice. You just take it for granted. And and uh, but when you don't have that position solidified, man, it's a scramble. And and uh, uh, we've been in both positions <laughs> over the years. And uh, look, Zach Zach's uh, um, he's just steady. He's just consistent in his his uh, um, his demeanor in the building. I mean, he, he adds a lot to our locker room as well as his play on the field. And so it's good to have him locked up and, and uh, hopefully he'll be one of those 14, 15 year guys for us. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, I mean, I just, I'd never really taken much notice to it until, I mean, it just seemed like every week it was like, good gosh, there were so, so many uh, lengthy times. And I know you can't speak of it individually, but one of those contracts was uh, Cesar Ruiz, who's in, concussion protocol and we could we could spend literally the entire show and not cover all of the concussion protocol but for suffice to say that for fans out there it's about stages and phases for him this week right you got to pass stages and phases yeah yeah you know you you go through that's exactly right you, you know you first have to be symptom free and then you go through these um these stages where you if you remain um symptom free you move to the next one and and it can happen where you return to play within a week and, uh, or it could happen that, you know, you don't return to play for um, a couple or, or even three weeks or longer. Um, Cause you have to cross each of these thresholds and meet, meet each of these uh, standards for each, uh, each phase of the, of the, um, of the protocol. And so we'll go through that. Caesar will go through that. And um, um, when he's ready to return, he will return. And the most recent uh, being Carl Granderson. And I'm, I'm curious, I want to go backwards a little bit to, to 2019, undrafted free agent out of Wyoming. Uh, maybe kind of what, 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 what you saw then, because to me, he, he would be what I would call the definition 
of player development for an NFL team. Uh, he signed a new contract. I think he's the it's the most money for an undrafted defensive lineman in NFL history. Um, but you just take me back to what you saw then and kind of what you have watched the progression. Yeah, look, that that's a credit to our area uh, scouts, our college scouting staff. I think I remember right. It was Mike Baugh um, that had that area at the time, and Cody Rager was uh, um, part of that equation. But all of our college uh, scouting staff, you know, they find a guy that's got the traits that they like and plays hard. Um, and so they worked really hard at at uh, getting a commitment for him, uh, being an undrafted free agent. We got him in the building. And, um, look, he is just – you know, no, no players self-made. And yet, man, this is a guy that has just worked his tail off to go from this uh, raw, talented kid to being a really productive NFL player. Um, kind of came into his own a little bit last year and, and has taken that and and uh, improved every year. He's, I think he's improved in the beginning of this, from, uh, from training camp to the beginning of the season. He's very productive. He's high motor. Um He's a great kid. He's, you know, he's really everything that you want um, in terms of, of a player in our building. And so it's good to see him as he matures and, and improves. And, and um, it's good to see a guy get a well-deserved contract. Yeah, you, talk, you talked, I mean, eight games in 2019, but he's been there five sacks in 20, you know, then three in 21, five and a half in 22. And, wow, he pops out already two and a half sacks. And, you know, six, I don't know if you guys call them quarterback hurries or quarterback pressures or quarterback hits. Everybody kind of uses different terminology. But, man, he is in the quarterback's face a lot. Yeah, he is. He he he, uh, he disrupts the, the quarterback a lot. And, look, those sacks in the past have come as really a part-time player. And so he's getting the opportunity to play a lot more. And, and um, the production's matching that. Well, I know they're all important, but it is NFC South and it is Tampa Bay. So uh, we appreciate your time. I know you're going to join us on uh, the backside of this break, but uh, good luck on Sunday uh, against the Buccaneers. Thank you, Mike. We'll be right back. This is the Saints Hour. Mike Austin, Saints Executive VP and General Manager Mickey Loomis on the Community Coffee New Orleans Saints Radio Network. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
Welcome back to the Saints Hour. Mike Hoss, along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis, as well as a former General Manager, Tampa Bay, with the Scouting Department, 20 years scouting front office. Mark Dominic joins us now. Mark, also part of the ESPN NFL Insider, a partner in X10 Capital, which we'll get into. But, Mark, welcome to the show. I'm happy to be on. Uh, looking forward to talking with you guys in a few minutes. Where's the connection with Mickey? How far do you guys go back? Where where does it begin? Gosh, with Mickey Loomis, I mean, I go back probably somewhere in the early 2000s. Um, you know, obviously, Mickey Loomis became a GM back then, and I was a director of pro scouting. So I would, you know, I, and I was doing advanced scouting also for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before I became GM. And so I would be, you know, obviously had a lot of tank games. And so I'd run into him, I think, from time to time and just kind of start a casual relationship because I obviously were in the same conference but also the same division and got to know each other a little bit through the years and that obviously grew as time went on yeah i did and uh you know what what's really interesting is that mark started in kansas city um and i think you were with jeff ireland in that uh, year year and a half you were in kansas city if i wasn't mistaken yeah we got a great story uh, mickey it's, it's jeff ireland actually he was i think with the dolphins right before that i was Jeff Ireland had the next year I left to Tampa Bay is when Jeff came in. But our good story of what Jeff Ireland is, or my good story is, I was elected to be a, a group assistant uh, for one of the groups, and Jeff Ireland was the group leader. So we went basically to the combine about the same time. He was the group leader. I was the assistant. Great guy, and obviously, as you all Saints all fans know, a great scout as well. And so a huge addition to you guys, but also just a good person. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, so I'm curious. Mark, this is for my benefit more than the listeners. I know you grew up in Minnesota, uh, um, St. Cloud up there, that area. How did you get to the University of Kansas? <laughs> yeah, that, uh, my, my, my claim to fame, right? Uh, University of Kansas was uh, moving around. My sophomore year in high school, we happened to move to Lawrence, Kansas due to a job my dad took, uh, not within the university. Uh, and so uh, it just made sense once I was in Lawrence that I should probably stay and do my uh, my undergraduate work there. Uh, good fortune was it never really had a sports management program before, but they opened one up my sophomore year. And so throughout my college experience, I volunteered at the athletic department, got to know a lot of people, and that led to a you know an internship with the Kansas City Chiefs, which was my break, uh, my fortunate break in the NFL. Uh, that's interesting. Well, you know, because I I went to a sports management program at Wichita State. Um, a little a little farther south in in, in Kansas and uh, uh, kind of got my start there. So, uh, yeah, then you were uh, a lot of years in Tampa Bay, kind of grew up in that organization. You worked for a good friend of mine, Bruce Allen, for a number of years um, and then ended up as a, as a GM there. Tell me about X10 Capital. Yeah, so Extent Capital is a company that I work with along with still doing television and Sirius XM NFL Radio. Extend Capital is a, a company where we um, we go out and allow players to diversify their highly volatile, as you know, Mickey, and uh, highly dangerous playing career. And it allows them to pull some money forward and put that money into other buckets. And it's not a debt or it's not a loan. It's us buying a percentage of their future earnings, but making sure that they have a plan with that money, that they're taking that money to earning money somewhere else. So if, if everything goes well, you know, we've raised their floor without impacting their ceiling. And it allows these players to maybe spend some more money on their bodies uh, to take a little pressure off them in terms of the finances. 
and hopefully play their best they possibly can for the organization they're with. Mark, is sports management worldwide is is part of that? Does is there an arm for kind of like a sports career training school, if you will, if I'm if I'm saying that correctly? Yeah, so I did that for gosh, almost eight years. I, I would do a uh, host a show with you'll love this Mickey with John Wooten. Uh, me and John would do a show every week. Uh, a legendary scout and man, uh, player, all those things combined. Every week we'd get with a bunch of younger uh, people that were looking for maybe a way to not only just get into the National Football League, but how do you get into athletics? Uh, and it would be an open forum where me and Mr. Wooten would take calls about how do I set myself apart? What do I need to do? I'm thinking about going to college. What, what, what should I major in? Or, you know, what, you know I've, I've been coaching for 13 years and, and I, I've wanted to move over to scouting. How do I do that? So we would do, I did that for eight years with John Wooten. Uh, finally hung that up uh, about two years ago. But it was a great opportunity just to meet so many young people, males, females, younger, older, that all wanted to find a way to get involved in, in, again, sports in general. And a lot of times we talk to them a lot about, you know, digital video and editing and learning that is such a critical spot for so many different things, whether you want to become a scout or you want to find a way into an organization, knowing how to break down tape and provide it to people is a big deal. All right, let's um, talk a little bit about uh, the National Football League. Um, Mark, I know, look, you were at training camp. You came in with Bruce Murray this um, uh, a month or two ago. I know you went to a number of camps. As you look around uh, after three weeks, you know, we've got three undefeated teams. We've got four teams that haven't won a game yet. What, what's caught your eye? What surprised you? Um, and and uh, talk about maybe last night's games as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, you think about, uh, you know, just the games last night. Uh, obviously, Tampa started off very well with winning two games, but they ran into a really tough Philly team that's really not quite hit their stride yet. Uh, which is a little scary and concerning, but uh, I thought Philly played, they made the plays that they needed to make the plays. Uh, Joe Burrow, you know, as you know, Mickey, I know you're dealing with right now with Carr, you know, quarterbacks and their health are such an integral part of whether you win or lose in the NFL. And Joe Burrow, you know, toughed it through and got a huge victory for the Bengals who could, really was going to be hard for them to afford to go 0-3 in the AFC, a really tough spot to be in. You know, in the the NFL, uh, you know, as we all know, you know, injuries take a big toll on football organizations and the teams that can stay the healthiest certainly are the ones that are most dangerous. Right now, the 49ers have stayed extremely healthy and you can see how explosive they are offensively and defensively. You know, I think that the Dallas Cowboys, you know, when they lose a couple of offensive linemen and they, they lose their all-pro corner, Trayvon Diggs, for the year, that's going to hurt them. I mean, long-term, I thought Dallas was a team that would be up there competing with you guys in terms of a of a postseason and maybe hosting the flag for the NFC, but I think that loss to Trayvon Diggs is so significant uh, that I know it's not a quarterback, but it's just one of those type of players where you need that guy that can shut down the opponent's number one person and have Gilmore be the number two. Uh, scoring's great, but I guess the talk has to be the Miami Dolphins and what they're doing to teams and what they just did to the Denver Broncos, putting 70 points on them is, is amazing. Yeah, it sure is. That's the... Um... I don't know if people realize how hard it is to score 70 points in a game. That that's that's a tough assignment, uh, and they look, you know, they they of all the teams, I I feel like they're the team that looks like they've hit midseason stride right from day one. Um, uh, I agree with you on Philadelphia. They they made the plays they had to last night, but but uh, I I wouldn't say that, and I I'm guessing they wouldn't say that was their best game. Um, a little surprised at at uh, 
you know, Minnesota not having a win yet. Um, and I, look, I haven't watched them play, but, but um, do you have any observations from, from what you've seen from the Vikings? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Dalvin Cook was a big decision for them. And, and as much as I do think Madison's a good back, um, I, I think that's a big, big decision when you take an explosive piece. I know Dalvin hasn't looked ex- explosive at the Jets, uh, maybe as you'd like him to be, but I, I think that was a big piece where the team kind of like, oh, wow, we just let go of one of our guys that you know had a lot of production, 1,500 yards last year, and he's not here anymore. And, and so that's a tough one, I think, when you sometimes the locker room starts to look around and go, what, what are we doing again? And uh, so I think that's it. I think that the offensive line hasn't played up to the level they were looking for. And so I agree. I mean, the Vikings being 0-3 for a team that was, you know, what was it, 12 wins, I think, last year? Uh, tough start. And it was almost one of those, whichever team lost that Chargers game versus the Vikings was in a big hole. And I think San, uh, San Diego, <laughs> Los Angeles needed it worse. Just because, again, I think the AFC is going to be such a tighter rate. I think the NFC, in my personal opinion, I think a 9-8 and team might make it in. Uh, yeah. Maybe certain 10-7. and seven. But in the AFC, unless you're in the AFC South, you're going to have to win probably 11 games to make the postseason. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like right now. Mark, I'm, I'm curious just because it's been, you know, 2009 and 2013, you were the Tampa GM, and, and Mickey, you certainly uh, as well. How much the the game has changed from salary cap? Like Tampa right now is dealing with $75 million in, in dead money. The Saints have been through that. They've got Kai Harley. He's like a magician. Uh, but, I mean, it, the, the amount of dead money that some teams carry, it's a win-now mentality. I mean, was that prevalent? Uh, were the numbers this kind of uh, significant back when, when you were GM? No, I mean, I think it was starting to make good jumps, but I think that's why you see such – and Mickey's much more, and to your point, Kai is one of the best um, in the league in terms of managing and working uh, rosters. But, uh, you know, I think that's why we see, you know, some of these deals that we've seen with – you know, option years that are going to automatically be voided, but because the salary cap is significantly jumping. And so if you feel like your team, when you have Tom Brady on your roster, and you're like, hey, let's go all in and see if we can win a Super Bowl. It's worth it. I mean, to pull a Super Bowl down, I think it's worth it if you even have to deal with the misery for two or three years afterwards because it's so hard to get there and get that championship ring. And so uh, Tampa is certainly taking its lumps this year on purpose uh, to be able to, I think, springboard themselves in a different direction maybe next year. But you know, Baker Mayfield's played pretty good for them so far to start the season. But, yeah, it's a it's a conscious decision. And Mickey's done this longer than I have. But, you know, you just have to keep ownership understanding what's, our, what's the expectations, what are we trying to accomplish here, and why. And as long as you get that message across to ownership, that's really the most important saying. Things like, hey, look, we're going to go for it this year, but we understand that there's going to be a sacrifice that we're going to have to pay maybe in year two or year three from now. And so I just want to make sure everybody's on the same page with that. And that's really the most important thing is the communication with ownership and what your plan is with their football team. Look, all of us, all of the teams at some point have to go through a reset. And what you're hoping for is that your reset isn't a complete rebuild. It's, it's exactly what, uh, what you hope for is a, is a reset where you can be competitive and, and have a chance um, to get in the playoffs while while you're resetting your your uh, your salary cap and and uh, but it's it, it can be difficult especially with the magnitude of you know the quarterbacks have always been well paid and and the magnitude of their contracts relative to the salary gap cap at any given time was pretty large but now we're we're in this territory where there's there's other players and other positions that are that are uh, um, you know significantly higher than they've been and. 
it's, it's a tough thing to manage. Oh, I, I don't disagree. I think it's very – once you get to that point where you're paying your quarterback, Mickey, like you know, if you're at the 45, 50, 55 million, you're going to have to really make some tough decisions. I think that's where the Bengals you – know, Jesse Bates is a very talented safety, but they had to make a decision like we can't pay that position because we've got a couple of receivers we want to try to pay. We've got a quarterback we want to pay. We might have a defensive lineman or offensive lineman. And suddenly those draft picks, uh, mid to late round picks, those college free agents – those you know, veteran minimum salaries are really critical trying to make sure you can keep a team together. But that's why, Mickey, you've been employed for over 20 years being a GM because I don't remember a bad year from New Orleans. Uh, <laughs> you've been there. Uh, I truly well, we, we've, you know, we've had those years. We've, we've had those years where we've had to reset. Um, but, look, it, it's tough. It's, you've got to make choices, and, and you have you know one, one pie, and you've got to divide it up in, in the way that, that you and your, your staff, your coaches um, – feel like give you the best chance to win and sometimes that, that unfortunately uh forces someone a good player we've had him you know marcus williams for example um most recently he was a really good player for us who we'd love would love to have had but we couldn't pay him at the top of the market um and pay him what probably he deserves and so each team is going to go through those uh um those choices particularly as you said mark when you have a a quarterback at the top of the uh contract chain well, Mark, we appreciate your time. Continued success with X10 Capital. Sounds like a phenomenal idea uh, all the way around. Win-win. Best of luck the rest of the season, and, and hopefully we'll catch up and, and, and talk again. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on, and, and look forward to watching these Saints all the way through the season. I, I predicted you guys to win the South, so hold the truth for me, Mickey, okay? Uh, we'll do it. We'll do it. All right, buddy. Thanks, Mark. Right, appreciate you. Got to take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back to the Saints Hour. Mike Hoss now joined by Saints sideline reporter Jeff Nowak. And Jeff, we heard from Dennis already this week. We heard from Mickey earlier tonight. Man, it's fourth quarter, 18 points. It's just week three. But this is kind of an early gut check for this football team. Yeah, no question. I mean, the, the funny thing is, if you would ask someone before the season whether they would have been happy with two and one, knowing they didn't have Alvin Kamara for three weeks here, installing this new offense and you're dealing with all this. I think people, most people would have, would have been like, yeah, okay, that's fair. I, I can deal with that. Um, it's just the way you lost that really is demoralizing. And, you know, I think this team uh, needs to get better for it, right? Like, you know, you either win or you learn is the whole thing. And they need to figure out what went wrong in that second half. I actually, you know, I went through the film this morning. I haven't got a chance to go through the second half yet, but I went through the first half. And, you know, when you, when you really look back on it, the first half offense was not terrible. They got the ball four times. They got four drives. The first one obviously ended in a stack deep in their own territory. That's not great, but, you know, it happens. The the second one, they drove 41 yards for a touchdown, and it was probably the most efficient end-to-end drive they've had in terms of getting to the red zone and scoring. Uh, They got a holding penalty early in the next drive that really killed it, and they punted. And then they got the ball back with four minutes left, drove 82 yards, and got bogged down in the red zone. The reason that the time of possession was lopsided in the first half was because 
you had a kick return for a touchdown. So, I don't know. I think there's a lot more to take out of this game positively than it feels like because of how the fourth quarter went. I just think when, when Derek went out, everything kind of fell apart, right? Like, I think the, the morale did dip, like, at least in terms of, like, the air gets let out of the balloon a little bit. You're reeling. And you did kind of feel like the Packers had nothing going. If you could just maintain, not turn it over, not give them a short field, then you should have been able to win that game. Well, you know, I think you left the defense on the field a little too long, and it really showed up in that fourth quarter. You know, you look back and you can you know, quibble with the decision to punt on uh, – you know, from the 37-yard line, I think he took a delayed game, ended up being from the 42, rather than giving Blake Griffey a chance at 55-yarder. I think that would have been a good chance to show some confidence in your young kicker, but hey, that's just me. Um, you know, I, I think that as you look back at this game, it just never got going, and, the, and the, the protection was never good. It wasn't great in the first half, but then in the second half, it just, you just had nothing working. What impact can Kamara have on that? Just an offensive line that maybe is struggling a little bit? You know, it, if you're looking at Alvin, you're looking at a guy who the defense always has to account for. There were points in that game in the second half where it was pretty clear that the Packers were not honoring the play action. They were not fooled. They were not going for it. Even if they the ball got into Tony Jones or Kendra Miller's hands, they were like, all right, we'll live with it. We're going at the quarterback. And, you know, there was a first and 14 play where you ran a play action, and that's exactly what happened. You had a jumbo package out there and a four-man rush got home because they just completely ignored the play action went straight for the quarterback um and so i think that's the type of thing that you can't do when alvin's out there and uh you know you should be able to get more screens going it's something you haven't really seen through three weeks it's something you didn't see enough of last year so i think those that, that combination where the defense has to account for him and you also can get the ball into his hands in space without even really having to pass protect right without having to to worry about giving the quarterback two, three seconds. You're just getting the ball to him and letting him make guys miss. And so, you know, it's just you have a little bit more dynamic ability out of the backfield. And, um, you know, that should help. It should. It, it won't solve all the problems. It won't solve losing one-on-one matchups in the blocking game. But it'll at least give you a uh, safety valve that you have not had uh, so far. And it's uh, NFC South, Tampa, home game, you know, only the second home game. And then you're back on the road, bang, bang, two straight again on the road, New England and Houston. And I, you know, it, they're just, they're all important. But when you get a home game, two and two and three and one are, 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 are big differences right now. Yeah, and I mean, I think the, the NFC South was really feeling itself after after week two. You had three two and O teams. But it kind of came down to earth, right? Like yeah, the everybody got lost. <laughs> by the Lions, the Bucks got beaten up by the Eagles, um, and then uh, the other matchup, the Panthers got beaten up by the Seahawks. So, you know, no one's feeling great about it right now in terms of how last week went. The Saints are probably feeling the worst in terms of knowing they should be 3-0, and knowing they should be in control because it's a story that we've had to tell every year, it seems like. It's like, okay, you have these opportunities and you miss them, and then suddenly you're fighting down the last few weeks of the season trying to win a tiebreaker. Um, and so this, these are the games, week three, week four, week five, that, you know, you kind of forget about them by the end of the season. But, you know, if they had won that Giants game back in 2021, they're in the playoffs, right? They don't blow a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. If they win that game against the Bucks in Week 13, they're in the playoffs, right? They don't blow a 16-point lead in the fourth quarter. you got to find a way to put these early division games away. It's something that the Saints did well when Breeze was here, when Peyton was here. And it's just not what they have done over the last couple years, right? And so I think it'll be a lot easier to forget what happened in Green Bay. You come home, you just get a solid win, suddenly you're 3-1, and one, you're leading the division, you're feeling really good about yourself. So 
yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways this week's matchup, even if you have to start Jameis Winston, is gonna it's gonna decide a lot because two and two and three and one feel a, a pretty far apart from each other when you really think about it. Noon on Sunday, Jeff. Appreciate your time, and we'll look forward to your sideline reports on Sunday. I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. We'll be right back here on Tuesday to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before the Saints hit the road for two straight games. Thanks for listening here on the Community Coffee New Orleans Saints Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.